0: Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo.
2: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to a spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and our topic today is Kriya Yoga Living. We're going to be discussing how the practices of Kriya Yoga awaken the heart and reveal a are innate divine qualities such as self-restraint, generosity, humility, and perseverance on the spiritual path. We're going to be talking about how expressing these divine qualities is the key to living a joy-filled life. Once again, I'm delighted to be joined by the founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is the founder of the Yoga Hour. She's a spiritual teacher, writer, poet, and the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga meditation center with headquarters in San Jose, California. Yogacharya O'Brien teaches nationally and internationally and has received several community service awards, including the Mahatma Gandhi Award for the promotion of religious pluralism. Her latest award-winning bestseller, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga, was published by New World Library. She has an upcoming Kriya Yoga Summer Retreat, which will be held June 10th to 13th, 2021, and listeners can register for that retreat at csecenter.org. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien's many books and online programs at her website, ellengraceobrien.com, and also at csecenter.org. You can also follow her on social media on Facebook at Ellen Grace O'Brien. On Twitter at Yogacharya underscore Live. You can also follow her on YouTube by searching for Ellen Grace O'Brien. So, welcome, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm really delighted to have you join me again today on the Yoga Hour.
1: Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. And thanks to everyone who's tuned in or uh, downloading and listening into Yoga Hour.
2: Mm. So before we dive in to our dialogue about Kriya Yoga Living, let's dive into a yoga moment, a moment of bringing ourselves present right here and right now. Aum. So let's begin by bringing our attention to our body to our bodies in space, whatever we're doing, just feeling our body, feeling the surfaces that support our body. Perhaps our feet are on the floor. We may be sitting or standing, walking. Whatever you're doing, just feel the surface that supports your body and the parts of your body that that touch that, feel that connection. And then let's turn our attention to the breath. As we take a fully conscious breath, noticing the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, the cool air in the nostrils. And on the next exhale, the warm air flowing out. Letting go of anything that happened earlier today. Letting go of whatever might happen later on just being here with the breath. And as we rest here, right where we are, here's something to contemplate, taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's book, The Jewel of Abundance. Yoga's ultimate promise of the spiritually awakened, thriving life is liberation, a life of freedom lived in the spontaneous joy of the soul The great error of ego-driven motivation is removed through self-realization. We no longer live to get and devour. We live to give and create. Ours becomes a generative life, one that overflows with blessings for all. Oh. So once again, Yogacharya, so delightful to be with you and to talk with you today about Kriya Yoga living and living an awakened life. So this is especially timely, leading to your upcoming uh, summer online retreat, which is uh, June 24th to 27th, when you will go deeper into the Kriya Yoga philosophy and practice. And listeners, again, can register at csccenter.org. So we mentioned in the introduction that you are the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center. And some of our listeners may not be familiar with that term of Kriya Yoga. So let's begin there. What is Kriya Yoga?
1: Thank you for that um, beautiful meditation and moment of contemplation. That's such a good way to begin um, I think when we look at, well, what is Kriya Yoga, it's probably useful to start with what is yoga, because uh, yoga is one of the six uh, systems of uh, philosophy to come um, out of India. And the philosophy for how, really how to live an awakened life, how to know uh, ultimate reality how to explore it and uh, specifically with regard to yoga as a system of philosophy the practices that um, help us explore that um, reality so yoga is a is a system a philosophy and a practice for uh, learning about absolute reality learning what we are and Uh, than how to live in a spiritually conscious way. So that is what Kriya Yoga is, comes Mm. out of that system, of uh, yoga philosophy. But you know, there are many uh, within the system of yoga philosophy, there are so many different types of yoga, and uh, many different paths. And so and even many different paths of Kriya yoga, Kriya Mm -hmm. just means action. Um, But it is action that is specifically intended uh, to support spiritual Awakening, and when I speak about Kriya Yoga, I'm speaking about it, and uh, as it was taught to me by my guru, an American yogi, Roy Eugene Davis, who was a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yoga Nanda, who brought yoga uh, to the West in 1920 from from India, and that lineage of Kriya Yoga you know, draws from the classical text of yoga philosophy, which is Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Um, and, uh, but also it has specific practices uh, for meditation that it's known for, that uh, Kriya Yoga tradition that
2: was brought forth by Parmansa Yogananda. Mm. So now we have a better idea of what Kriya Yoga is, but what do you mean by Kriya Yoga living? I've always appreciated that,
1: you know, when we look at the word Kriya, it means action, and and in particular with Kriya Yoga, that term, it means uh, purification or sanctification. And um, when we look at that, it it means that we live our life um, in a way that is centered on spirit or centered in God uh, self and God realization. So that becomes the guiding principle, the the guiding reality of one who wants to live a Kriya yoga life. And this is really uh, following the innate inclination of the soul, you know, to, to live the fullness of of what we are, you know, to be here, to be uh, awake to spiritual reality, and to live in harmony um, with the natural higher order of the universe itself—that is infused with uh, the reality of God.
2: Mm. And there is a call that we all feel, to a pull that we all feel towards that. So Kriya Yoga, you have taught me, Kriya Yoga um, says that we are already whole and one with universal consciousness um, and that we don't need to try to be divine. <laughs> um, I like the analogy that you've used, that we are like a lamp with this light inside of us, this divine consciousness inside of us, but that our, our uh, lampshade is dusty and dims that light. So how do we clean that lampshade? How do we fulfill our potential as divine beings?
1: Well, what you've mentioned, of course, is an important foundational principle on the path of Kriya Yoga, which is understanding that we, at the core of our being, we are already enlightened. We are already whole. Um, We are in essentially that, Tattamasi. We are that ultimate reality. So our spiritual life doesn't become one of striving to find or create something that we are not. Um, But it becomes about, as you mentioned, you know, purifying, you know, would be purifying the mind, purifying the body, the vehicles of the self so that we can be more in touch with that uh, truth of our being. So the directive on the path of, of Kriya Yoga Uh, for purification is not purification of our essence that we are already pure, but it is uh, ways in which we clarify uh, the mental field um, and, you know, contribute to the body being balanced because we all know, you know, when our body is out of balance, when our mind is distracted and confused, it's really difficult for us to feel connected deeply, you know, Mm -hmm. to our own essence, and to receive, you know, the inner guidance that we're looking for. When I when I first came onto the path, um, you know, I was really looking for a way to live my life, that I could feel connected. And I wasn't sure connected to what, you know, to God, to the universe. But I wanted to know, you know, how will I know what is true? How will I live by it? I didn't, I was never one who wanted somebody else to tell me what to do. I was sort of born with that. (laughs) um, As many of us are. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I just, I wanted to know, well, how will I know myself. And, uh, the only way we can know for ourselves uh, what truth is, what reality is, is to experience it directly. Otherwise it's just secondhand And we're um, outwardly oriented, you know, we're following what somebody else says. So one of the things I appreciated about the path of Kriya Yoga is we are told, yes, study the teachings. Yes, have a guru, have someone who can guide you. But ultimately, no one else can do it for you. Ultimately, you must experience it for yourself, which is why we're encouraged to practice, um, because it takes uh, clarification of, the mind and balancing of the subtle body and the physical body in order to experience that essence of being.
2: Mm-hmm. So Today, we're going to be talking about these uh, divine qualities. The Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 16, Verses 1 through 3, lists 26 qualities to cultivate liberation. And in a recent satsang series, you emphasize several of these qualities to nurture an awakened heart and open the mind to the truth of who we are. And those qualities were self-restraint, generosity, humility, and perseverance. Um, So Kriya Yoga, as we've already said, teaches that our essential self is divine. Um, We haven't talked so much about this, but that it's unchanging. So when we talk about innate divine quality, how is it that our unchanging essential self has these qualities?
1: (laughs) That's a very fine philosophical point. And, um, you know, our, our essence as ultimate reality is without qualities. It is pure and still and unchanging. So there, it it is, there are no qualities to that. However, the soul, um, and we, we say God, you know, and the soul, the soul is a a reflection of, uh, God, um, does have qualities. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, this, that which is ultimate reality, um, comes into expression in the world, you know, mm-hmm. here we are <laughs> and that doesn't happen without qualities. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even the, you know, the, the mystics of all traditions, you know, teach about this. And one of my favorite sayings is from the Christian mystic, my Meister Eckhart, who said, you know, few people understand that there is a God beyond God. Mm. And what he meant by that, uh, as far as I can tell, is that there is ultimate reality, Mm-hmm. which is that which is without qualities, which is transcendent, pure and still. And then there is the reality of God, which expresses as the world, mm-hmm. which um, contains qualities. Mm-hmm. and Otherwise, we couldn't have expression in the world. Mm-hmm. So at the soul level of our being, um, you know, we there are qualities um, and otherwise, we wouldn't be able to express in the world. And so the idea is to cultivate those qualities that allow um, the
2: radiance of our essence of being to shine through. That's such a beautiful explanation. Thank you so much for that. So talking about these qualities, then let's begin with self-restraint. And you have said, one who is controlled by self-restraint obtains peace, and peace removes all sorrows. So would you say more about that, about the benefits of this self-restraint? <laughs> well,
1: I think we're, we all, I'm guessing anyway, we all have some sense of self-restraint, um, either you know, wishing we had had it when we didn't, (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) wishing we had used a little more of it, you know, in hindsight, um, or, you know, an active practice of cultivating it, you know, learning how to just keep our mouth shut, you know, is a basic uh, skill of self-restraint, um, you know, there are two, there are two levels in yoga philosophy, there are two levels of self restraint that are taught, you know, one is, as I mentioned, you know, learning how to restrain um, what we know is not useful. So we have drives that come up, you know, from the reactive mind from the ego level of mind um, that are um, not Healthy. They're not useful. Um, they contribute to sorrow. They contribute to confusion and upset. So one of the first practices that we have is learning how to spot, you know, what's going to bring trouble, <laughs> and <laughs> and restraining, you know, ourselves um, from getting into that um, because we learn, you know, from. From our history, that like I said, there are times when we, you know, think, gee, you know, it would have been better if I hadn't said that or if I hadn't done that. So we start at that basic level of noticing what's useful. um, And in that case, then being aware of what would not be useful and restraining ourselves from that activity. But there's a higher level of self restraint in yoga, which is after one. Um, becomes firm in their practice and is established in um, self-realization in the clarity of their essence of being, then those um, reactive patterns uh, cease to arise Mm -hmm. and self-restraint becomes natural. So I think there's kind of also a... um, what we call it, maybe like a scale, of a continuum, you know, between those. So, you know, in the beginning when we start to practice, uh, at least it was for me. You know, I I just remembered, oh, you know, I I liked the idea of restraining my reactive patterns and my habits that I knew weren't useful, but I I was shocked at how I didn't seem able to do that. You know, it was more like, okay, I'm aware this is not useful. Now I'm aware that I'm doing it. (laughs) Now I'm aware that I feel badly about it. Um, And so that went on, you know, in the beginning. So it took a while um, to become aware of how to change habits and patterns and also for the mental field, um, and the emotional, you know, to become more clarified, the emotional nature to become calmer so that I could actually not do those things that I didn't want to do and do those things I wanted to do. Um, and then, you know, as we continue to practice over time and when the mental field becomes clarified, there, 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 there arises a quality of spaciousness uh, in the mind, luminosity in the mind, sattvic principle in the mind, sattvic um, uh, quality in the mind to where we might see something, you know, arising and just know it's not useful. And then less and less, it, it, it
2: doesn't even arise. Mm mm-hmm. That's a great description. And I can see, looking back at the quote, one who is controlled by self-restraint obtains peace, and peace removes all sorrows. So you've really just illuminated that in a lovely way.
1: Yeah, that peace comes from sattva, you know, from that quality of luminosity that is, uh, you know, one of our inherent qualities. And on the path of yoga, we seek to... um, Bring more quality of peace and luminosity into into our life, and um, that quote, you know, I, I'm sure that I was inspired by the Bhagavad Gita, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the definitions de- definitions of yoga is that uh, yoga uh, frees one from sorrow.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. wow, I love that definition. It's mm-hmm. really. So the next divine quality is humility. So the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, refers to humility as freedom from pride. So can you talk a bit more about humility? What is true humility?
1: (laughs) Probably if I had it, I wouldn't be um, pontificating on what it is. So (laughs) You know, I I think in the ultimate sense that true humility is really knowing the truth of what we are as um, emanations of the divine. And, um, you know, some of the Christian mystics and saints have described God as being the ultimate um, humility, because God serves everyone equally, you know, and God gives of itself. Um, and so I think that's, that's part of the quality. Um, and so in some ways I think of humility as being a completely receptive, um, to God, or completely receptive to the truth of our being, so we're not um, putting ourselves first. You know, that's kind of a basic thing about humility: is um, n- not being a self-absorbed and not putting yourself first. But it's kind of beautiful to think of God as um, as the the reality of humility that which serves all
2: yeah that's a very spacious definition <laughs> of of uh, humility yeah I really I really appreciate that um, so we've got only about a minute um, before uh, the last few announcements before the break so um, h- how do we even begin to cultivate that kind of humility. Is it just a matter, just a matter of remembering, remembering? Yeah,
1: it's a matter, I think, of opening our heart and having the heart transformed. And as Kriya Yogis, we always point back to meditation, meditation practice, because that practice helps us see, you know, how absorbed we you know, can get in the mind and in our uh, false uh, identity and um so that's useful um because it helps us see the patterns and um so cultivating you know humility i think is is opening our hearts and the quieter we can get the more the heart can open
2: mm-hmm. and with that we've come to the break you're listening to the yoga hour with author poet and spiritual teacher yogacharya o'brien we're discussing kriya yoga and Living an Awakened Life. Yogacharya offers many online classes and programs and has authored several books, which you can learn more about at her website, ellengraceobryan.com, and also from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, CSECenter.org. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about Kriya Yoga and discuss Yogacharya's insights on how to awaken the heart and reveal more of our innate divine qualities. We'll be right back.
0: Discover the Power Within, Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Insights and Practices for Spiritually Conscious Living.
2: Welcome back from the break. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo here with Yogacharya O'Brien. And in the first segment, we were talking about Kriya Yoga Living and the qualities to live an awakened life and started with self-restraint and humility. So let's move on to perseverance on the spiritual path, which I I just feel is, is is it's been so key in my own in my own practice and my own interaction with the teaching. So, your guru Roy Eugene Davis often shared the quote from Lahiri Mahasaya: uh, "Keep on keeping on. Behold, one day the goal." Paramahansa Yogananda also said, "Let your devotion to God be like a wood fire." that burns steadily for a long time, not like a straw fire that produces a bright flame and then quickly goes out. I love that contrast between the wood fire and the, and the uh, straw fire. it was very been very meaningful to me. So why is it so important to be steadfast and persevere on the spiritual life in order to live an awakened life?
1: We could probably have an hour long conversation just about that. You know, it's so critical and um, it's an important thing to always keep in the forefront of our mind, you know, as practitioners uh, on the spiritual path. Um, You know, first I would say one of the reasons to understand this call to be steadfast is that when we find a path that is our path, whether it's Kriya Yoga path or another yoga path or simply, you know, a mystical path in your own religious tradition, um, you know, what we're looking at is clarifying the mind, you know, and learning how to live effectively um, to live in harmony with the soul, with our essence of being. So especially on the yoga path, jumping from path to path is considered a detriment. It, it's con- it's contraindicated because um, you're trying to... Um, calm the mind and not excite the mind. Mm. You're trying to discover what you already have rather than being out there trying to get something. So, um, you know, that's one of the first things to learn is that, you know, we're, we're so conditioned Um, particularly in the West, you know, to be looking for the next thing, you know, that's going to do it for us. And the spiritual path is about getting over that, (laughs) that seeking to fulfill egoic drives, you know, trying to make ourselves spiritual, trying to make ourselves, you know, this or that. Um, So finding a path, um, you know, hunkering down on that path, you know, if, you know, once you know, you're in your right place, um, is part of how we begin to settle the mind. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're continually, um, kicking up the dust, you know, in our own mental field, the latest thing to do, you know, the latest book, the latest teacher, um, and, you know, all the time, uh, you know, the mind is very happy to do that, but the soul is languishing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yoga sometimes can be quiet and maybe sometimes it can even be boring. You know, I don't know. (laughs) I haven't really experienced it so much like that, but it's like, you just don't do that anymore. Um, and then of course, um, it takes time generally, you know, there are rare instances where there is a spontaneous awakening and a person is just poof, you know, you're enlightened, you're, you're completely free, you're liberated. But in most cases, awakening, you know, people describe it like the sunrise, you know, it is comes up gradually in your life as the mind is purified body and uh, subtle body and physical body is balanced. I heard a, a Zen, um, saying this past week that I hadn't heard before that I really liked as a definition of uh, enlightenment or the awakened life, which was sudden awakening, gradual cultivation, sudden awakening, gradual cultivation, sudden awakening, (laughs) gradual cultivation. Mm -hmm. So just mm-hmm. moving, you know, from, yes, we have awakenings, but then there is the deeper work to do. And I think, you know, many of us have experienced that we have insights and, you know, my teacher used to say very often that it could be a problem, you know, when people have insights or they have meditation experiences and they say, okay, I'm done. You know, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm awake, I'm, I'm liberated, but um, it's just a step along the way. And uh, sometimes people don't um, realize that. And particularly today, there's some, you know, conversations in certain circles about, well, you know, just wake up and and know you're the truth. And, you know, you're not the ego. And, you know, it's easier said than done. We can we (laughs) can know it. But living it is is another matter and not fooling ourselves into thinking, you know, we're we're liberated when we're not. Mm-hmm. Or more, you know, in, enlightened than um, we really are. <laughs> right.
2: I know for myself, I've experienced that. Um, what did you just say? You know, there's a, you know, kind of a breakthrough and then there's, um, mm-hmm. then there's a period of like integration.
0: Exactly.
2: And, and I, I have become, I guess, the f- farther along on the spiritual path I go, I see that gap a bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's like you have this realization, you know it. In some part of you, you know it, but yeah. you can't live from that yet. That's the part that takes time. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about this sattvic quality that our minds, yeah, that we cultivate in our mm-hmm. minds. And that takes time. That's not something that typically you can just sort of flip a switch, you know, and you can, you know, all of a sudden have all, you know, all of your thoughts in line and your mind's, you know, your mind's totally in sattva all the time. At least that's not how it works for me. <laughs> Well, it's an interesting
1: conundrum, really, in that um, we want to be aware of that highest truth of our being and seek to live from that viewpoint without, um, you know, uh, t- taking on... Um, a sense of, um, I don't know, you know, a pride or false uh, sense that we're further along than we are. So there's always that balance of, you know, we don't want to get caught up in geez, you know, I have, I, I'm such a wreck, I have so far to go. Um, we want to cultivate right. that awareness of, yes, I am an awakened being. And I am uh, cultivating, uh, bringing that forth gradually uh, cultivating that
2: Mm. and for that as we've just talked about we need perseverance so and as you've mentioned our practices can go through dry spells where it does seem our normally juicy meditation our dedication or devotion to our path kind of dries up a little bit and yet we still have to persevere so What tips can you give listeners about how to approach that? How do we build our perseverance? How do we keep on keeping on, as Lahiri Mahasaya said?
1: I think it's one of the great um, blessings or graces of finding your path. And if you have a traditional yoga path, then there's... um, There are liberated masters, self-realized masters who brought forth that teaching and you can turn to their writings. You can also meditate upon their consciousness and be encouraged, you know, by that um, higher awareness. You, you also have the blessing of being part of a larger satsang of, you know, others who are sharing that path with you. And, you know, not all of us are hitting moments of discouragement at the same time. So, (laughs) so we can, we can encourage one another. Um, but I, I find, um, Such encouragement to be steadfast from the masters in our lineage, you know, from my guru, you know, from his writings and from being able to observe how steadfast he was and how he persevered um, on his path, which I know wasn't always easy, but he was a very disciplined yogi. And so he kept his consciousness aloft. And so I know it's possible because I've Mm -hmm. seen it and had the blessing of having a teacher. And then, you know, being introduced to Paramahansa Yogananda through him and uh, having uh, access to teachings of of Yogananda. Um, And, you know, sometimes even just looking at the, Uh, photos of them, you know, being able to see their countenance in which that sattvic piece of uh, clarity of self-realization shines through their eyes, shines through their face. You know, I think part of what has, you know, made Autobiography of a Yogi such a bestseller, you know, besides all of the, um, Inspiration and truth um, that is there in between the covers of that book is Yogananda Ji's face on the Mm -hmm. cover of that book that radiates um, self
2: and God realization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, turning to another divine quality, generosity. So, what what advice do you give about practicing generosity or maybe where does where does that generosity spring from within us
1: mm. well pure generosity of course is an emanation of the source itself of God itself you know as I mentioned if we think of God as the uh, ultimate uh, as ultimate humility that gives to all, you know, unselfishly and without prejudice, um, that that is the same root for generosity um, that, you know, my, my girl had a saying that we should be life giving spirits, which mm-hmm. I always liked, you know, that, that we are, we are giving from life to life, you know, we're just mm-hmm. a, we're just an instrument of the source with generosity. And I think one of the things I think about with generosity, I think it's a saying that came from the Buddha, which is be quick to do good. And so, you know, we get inspirations, you know, I could, I could do this, you know, I could give this, or I could give that. And then sometimes we talk ourselves out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, ego sort of steps in and, you know, um, takes that that away, our inspiration to be generous and to give. And so I always like that one. you know be quick to do good and it's like be quick before uh, ego steps in and says, well, you can give less or you can I mean you know sometimes it's a it's a practice of discernment that comes in and you know that's not bad but generally um, we can watch for the inclination, uh, to give love, you know, to give uh, support, uh, to give generously, and uh, go with it. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. To me, it, it's um, touches on the really the the oneness principle mm-hmm. in in yoga that we really are all one and have experiences of that, feel that sometimes. Mm-hmm. When we're lucky mm-hmm. and um and then it's easy to be generous when you're coming from that, you know, from that spot, because that's what you feel like doing. That's what your soul longs to do is give up what you have, be there for others, give love, those kinds of things that you just mentioned,
1: yeah, I think we yeah, so we're naturally inclined towards that. And you know, as we've been talking about all these qualities, I think that um you know, throughout, uh, my time of sadhana, there are just times when something comes up. You know, like I know, um, I, I am, I am inspired to be, for example, more compassionate, or I'm inspired to be more generous, or I'm inspired to be um, more peaceful. You know, so you can take any of these qualities and then begin to cultivate the awareness, the higher awareness, you know, I am a compassionate person, I am a generous person. And usually, you know, it arises because we think we're, we're not, you know, we're not displaying it to the degree that we would like to. So it's a wonderful practice to start with the awareness, I am that. And then we start to notice um, ways in which we're not And we can make a different choice to, you know, line up our thoughts and our speech and our behavior with that um, higher truth of our being or that that divine quality. So it's hard, you know, I think to work on all fronts at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. we've been talking about self-restraint and humility and perseverance and generosity. I mean they're all good qualities, but sometimes it's useful just to focus on one. Right. So, you know, what's the one? You know, do you feel that self-restraint is a is a good thing to cultivate right now, or um peace or humility, you know, whatever it is.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, another divine quality is uprightness. In your blog on uprightness, you write, Uprightness unlocks our highest potential. It's living the simple, straightforward truth of our divine self with courage and commitment. So would you expand on the definition of uprightness?
1: Hmm. It's a lovely word. For yogis, I think it's particularly a nice word. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I think it means living in a straightforward way. And what is it to live in a straightforward way? It, it is to live in uh, harmony with the highest truth of our being, you know, mm-hmm. to, to live uh, in a way that is consistent with truths thinking the truth, speaking the truth, acting in a way, in ways that are truthful. It means that we we don't deceive. Um, It means that we don't manipulate. Um, We speak in a way that is truthful and uh, straightforward. As yogis, you know, because we have a lot of uh, attention to the spine, you know, as a, a way to allow vital force kundalini shakti to flow you know from the base of the spine up to the higher centers you know the third eye and the crown chakra when we think of uprightness we we can even include um asana you mm. know that our position um and so we're not um slumped over <laughs> we're not folded in on ourselves we're not Um, like heading out with our, you know, aggressively, but we're anchored in ourselves. And so sometimes when I have a feeling of cultivating uprightness, you know, I want to be connected to myself, to God, to gurus. I first start with sitting upright or standing upright and feeling that Feeling uprightness on a physiological level of my being, and then on a subtle level of my being. So, it's it's a lovely one um, to practice. So, you know, ultimately, it comes down uprightness. I think comes down to being truthful and being in alignment with truth, and um, and then the subtle ways that we can practice it is just like paying attention to you know, how we might, um, you know, of course not be truthful, but, you know, also ways that we might try to manipulate other people or situations, you know, because we want to get our way with something.
2: Mm So it strikes me as we've been talking about these divine qualities, we've also been kind of weaving into our conversation a couple of the key practices of Kriya Yoga, of uh, tapas, of self-discipline, when we were talking about um, self-restraint. I think that's certainly a, a part of self-discipline. And then we've talked about um, svadhyaya, about um, self-study, study of the nature of consciousness. You talked about the importance of of um, People who have come before, masters that we can read or picture, their pictures that we can look at, perhaps on our altar. So um, it seems as though practicing the, these these key practices of of Kriya Yoga, as defined in Patanjali's uh, Yoga Sutra, the three being, as I mentioned, self discipline, tapas, uh, self study or svadhyaya, and uh, Ishvara Pranidana, um, surrender, surrender to uh, God. Um, so, just as we take a step back as we're bringing this conversation to a close about cultivating the divine qualities, did you have anything to add to to that? We've talked about meditation, the importance of perseverance to our practice. Anything else?
1: I think the encouragement um, you know that i would would offer is just circling back to Remembering that um, the peace that we're looking for, the even the prosperity that we look for, um, the freedom from fear, you know, it's all really within us. The root of, root of it all is within us in our own innate wholeness. So um, find your path that is your pathway to discovering and living that wholeness. And once you find that path, then dedicate yourself to it and um, persevere, you know, through the ups and downs and, um, you know, be open to guidance and inspiration. And, you know, in the Kriya Yoga tradition, we we teach that there is a magic combination (laughs) between self-effort and divine grace. And, you know, it is divine grace that brings us to the path. So you can know that divine grace is already
2: operant in your life. Mm. And that's such a great feeling. Such mm-hmm. a great feeling to know that divine grace is already there, it's already all around you. So uh, we have a last couple of minutes, and we always ask uh, what words of encouragement or inspiration? Would you like to leave with our listeners? Although you just left some, so <laughs> do you have any more? <laughs> that, yeah, that was it. That was it.
1: Um, I think I, I would say, you know, now this is time sensitive, but of course, you know, here we are in May of um, 2021 and in the U.S., you know, things are just starting to open up, you know, post uh Post uh, lockdown from the pandemic. And so, you know, we're in a time um, that there's a little bit of confusion, you know, and trying to people trying to decide, well, what should I do? And um, so I would say, you know, be patient, Um, be patient with yourself, be patient with others. Um, You know, we've had a long journey. And, you know, we still have, um, as, as the poets would say, we still have miles to go. And so you know, one of the things that yoga teaches us is patience and perseverance. And so we can bring that to bear in this time to be patient with ourselves as we discern, you know, what is the next right thing for me to do and to be patient with others as they're trying to discern as well and to keep our prayer light on, um, you know, for India, for our brothers and sisters in India and uh, in other parts of the world where there's still uh, massive amounts of suffering going Going on So sharing our light, sharing resources where we can um, to, to be of service.
2: Mm. Very lovely, inspiring. Thank you. And with that, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and I've been discussing Kriya Yoga Living with the Yoga Hour's founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. You can learn more about her upcoming programs, books, and online classes at her website, ellengraceobrien.com and at uh, csecenter.org. You can also follow Yogacharya on social media, on Facebook at Ellen Grace O'Brien, and on Twitter at Yogacharya underscore live. You can also hear many of her online talks. On her YouTube channel, Ellen Grace O'Brien, I should mention that this satsang series that I mentioned earlier of uh, divine qualities is a set of five talks, you can find those on her uh, YouTube channel. So thank you so much for this conversation, Yogacharya. I've really enjoyed speaking with you.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And um, thanks again to all the supporters and listeners to Yoga Hour. Um, I appreciate you also letting other people know about it.
2: Yeah. If you've enjoyed this conversation about Kriya Yoga Living, how about joining us for the upcoming Kriya Yoga Summer Retreat, which will be held uh, in June, and listeners can register at csecenter.org. We encourage you also to join us for the many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien and the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including morning meditation, which occurs every day from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Pacific, also afternoon meditation daily from 4 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific, and then Sunday satsangs from 10 to 11 a.m. You can join me next time when I will be joined by Joanne Spence for a program titled Calm Your Mind and Restore Your Energy. Joanne Spence is a certified yoga therapist and author of the book Trauma-Informed Yoga. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Thank you to Yogacharya O'Brien. Our assistant producers, Ann Hayes and Mickey Coronado, Jeff Comfort, and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening.